The following is a Stick Boy We Talk production. The following contest scheduled for one fall. I am the man. If you're what the rock is talking. What it is, what it do, welcome to the One Fall Podcast. Joshua Adam Lamar is not with the ultimate babyface, Mr. Joel Johnson. How's it going? And the futurist, Morton. It has been 20 years, give or take about five months. But professional wrestling is officially in a better place and actually feels lively for the first time in 20 years. Wrestling is good again. It took That's 20 what me years. And Addie were talking about, but it's, it's wrestling is good again. Yes, 20 years it took since. I mean, and look, WCW was bought and was terrible for about two years, but at least it was on. And it was competitive nature where other guys could feel they could go. And you could look at the impacts and all that and say talent could go there. But the problem was impact was mixed bag at its best times, right? Because you still had Venturuso there. Dixie Carter didn't know how to book a wrestling show. For the first time ever, you have a place that is booked very well, has a much better television partner booking there. And they're not just drawing people in because of money like WCW did. You're drawing people in because they want to be there. The best quote I heard last night was from CM Punk talking about the difference between him and, man, this is going to take a while to go with, with Brian Danielson, uh, was that's a guy that loved where he worked, and he loved his boss, and he left. And I hated it. But he's like, that's a guy that loved working there, and he left. So what does that tell you what AEW is? I'm going to let the whole WCW only got people because they bought them watching. No, no, no. They got, they got people also for other reasons, but the money talked a lot in in more in WCW than it does in AEW is what I'm saying. That's true. It's, it's the money is really what draw people, draw drew a lot of people over. That's true. Yeah. 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 Without that, without, if they weren't paying more, you wouldn't have seen Holland Nash and, these guys end up over there. That's true. Whereas I don't think it's the money that necessarily draws Daniel Bryan in. So that's, that's a good no, point. No, no. Cause he got a better offer from WWE money wise. Yeah. And but, like he uh, was talking about, there was partnerships and relationships that he didn't want to leave. Mark Henry said the same thing. But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, they are now on a different place. And rather Nick Khan or Vince McMahon or anyone doesn't want to admit it. That is the biggest competitor that they've had in a long time. And for the first time ever, maybe since the 1980s, even Morton, like not even the 90s, wrestling feels free outside of New York. Yeah, I'd say that's a good way to put it. That's a good way to put it. Wrestling feels free outside of New York. I like that. Because kind of what we saw, you know, when uh, the AWA, they kind of had their super show, the one that when Lawler pins uh, Kurt Henning. That was like a super show at that point, and that was kind of the end before the territory system really gets debunked. But we're kind of back to everything before that AWA show where champions travel, people can go where they want to go, 
There's only a few locations that really don't let you go where you want to go. I mean, Matt Cardona even talked about it on Chris Jericho's pod. Like he can go, he, you know, he can go to impact and do stuff there. He can go to GCW. Maybe he'll come back to AW. It doesn't matter. But then you also have the main set of roster there. So, uh, Joel, before we get in, your kind of well, thoughts on the, on uh, just, oh, yeah, just really ahead. quickly, just cause it yeah. fits in, fits in with mm-hmm. what you said. I think it says a lot that when Moxley came to the ring on the pay-per-view, he was wearing a GCW hoodie. Yep. That, it that didn't matter. No one gave a shit. Right. Nobody and cares. Even, and even Punk saying, like, I said the Brian line on Dynamite two weeks ago, and he's like, I was freaking out. And, it's like, and I was, like, searching for Tony, and Tony's like, what's the matter? So like, oh, I shouldn't have said Brian. He's like, I don't give a shit. So it's... <laughs> a lot of that balancing of learning from still a lot of people. Uh, Paul White said that he said something on TV the other day, I can't remember, in an interview that he did, and just said, like, Tony didn't care. So, and even, even you know, Shivani saying yesterday during the, um, the MJF match, saying, that's bullshit! Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Excalibur goes, I apologize for the language and everything, but it, it felt right, and it was the right use of it. And Tony was asked about it in the presser, said, you know, it was, he's like, I'd prefer he doesn't curse, but in that sense, it made sense for the story, and it's all good. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of these guys have PTSD from where they worked before. Yeah, it really does. It, there's, a, there's a lot of that. It just The one thing I think we've all said in our group chat lately is it's so almost bizarre, too, just to hear how happy a lot of people are right now in this business. We're so used to. I mean, Morton, I'm sure with the We Talk side and Joel, when we've been doing One Fall since we started doing that in 2014, we were so used to complaining about that uh, the business, hearing wrestlers complain about the business. It's so weird these past two weeks, month, of just hearing so many positive senses from people, uh, specifically during all that week. Uh, all It seems like all we used to do is complain about WWE. Whenever there was, I remember when, like the few times when TNA would do something good and did like they were doing the aces and eight angles, how yeah. excited we were just to have something, something outside the WWE that could grab our attention, you know? Or ROH. Would, would then good, TNA would mess it up. <laughs> then they would mess it up, of course. And ROH yeah. was for a little while. It's like they're they're giving us a nice alternative here. It's just it's so you know I mean it's so uh, small budget and and. You know, low low production values, but the the wrestling is good, and just trying to grab onto it to have an alternative. But this is the first time that it's a, it feels like a competitor, definitely. Joel, and, yeah, the last thing I'm going to say for you, Joel, to carry on this, if you're in that locker room, as I'm, you know, have Raw in the background here, and you're an AJ Styles or you're a Finn Balor, or Kevin Owens or Sami Zayn, like, man, how jealous are you right now? It's so the thing is, I think there there are definitely two sides of the coin with this conversation right now, where we have Cole and Brian saying, "Hey, yeah, no, really love Vince, really love Vince. It's all great. It's all sunshine and rainbows. Sucks to leave, but really happy to be here. Seems like a good group." But I mean, at this point in time, you have to look at it and go. You talk about and you brought it up the PTSD of some of these performers. That comes from one man. Like, there's no, there's no way we can sit there and be like, oh well, Jellicky Willikers, Vince is good. There's, there's very much a systematic problem in WWE that has led to this 
shit, WWE did this themselves. They teed it up. They made a situation where people were complacent, where fans wanted something else, where wrestlers wanted something else, and Tony Khan just popped in and was like, hey, I'm a big wrestling fan and I want to do this. And now we, I'm shocked at where we are with AEW. Like, just at this time and how quickly it has been able to just grab the wrestling world by the throat. And it has, it, it is the hottest promotion in pro wrestling. And, I mean, WWE did it to themselves. Hunter did it to himself. Vince did it to himself. And we can talk and sing, say, hey, you know, two of the nicest guys in pro wrestling. Shockingly had nothing bad to say about WWE. But I think the reality is, I think what what I at least see as an outsider is, yeah, you you can you can be very polite and cordial, and that's probably a good route to go, especially for both men. No, but the bridges. the reality is that there's very 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 big rot within WWE, and that's why we're here. Like I feel like AEW has Chicago. I feel like that's their, one of their key parts of their territory. Uh, Jacksonville would be another key part of their territory. And I feel like from, I think from what I've seen, they're outselling WWE in ticket sales for the month of September. They're moving tickets better than WWE. And I, you, you see that and you go, holy crap. That's, that's, that in itself is shocking. You have these debuts. I, I was absolutely flabbergasted that we saw Adam Cole last night. I was I was very much taken aback that Adam Cole was there. And he had a meeting with Vince McMahon. He had a face-to-face meeting. And that wasn't enough to convince Adam Cole to say. At some point, you look at guys like AJ, guys like Finn, uh, a guy like Cesaro. He, a guy like he, he had his chance. He had his chance. And it just was all like, well... I guess we're stuck here. And I mean, I don't know what angle, what idea, what what thing the WWE could do to make them on equal footing with uh, AEW as terms of just being a very hot brand. And I mean, the other side of this that you got to look at is Warner Media seems very, very, very over the moon with AEW. And they seem very happy and are treating AEW really well. They they seem to have a really good working relationship. And on that flip side, you look at WWE and you look at the working relationship with USA and Fox. USA is happy about certain things that Fox is getting, and they're not they're not happy with uh, SmackDown being more heavy than what Raw is. And you Fox isn't happy because of the Peacock deal and doesn't like that they're pumping Peacock because that's not something they own. They're not making a dime off Peacock. So you've got one side of the coin where they've got one business daddy that is very happy, and then you've got two business daddies on the other company, and both of them are upset at various times with your with with you as a whole. I I'm really, really shocked we are already at this point where it feels like there's change. That pro wrestling feels like it's moved in a direction that I I don't know how far it can move into the direction of being what it was in the early 2000s, late 90s. I don't know if you can ever reach that spectacle, especially with 
streaming and everything else like that, that there's so many things to grab people's attention. But pro wrestling's fun again. And like there's no one on like there's no one online going, well, how are they gonna screw up CM Punk? How are they gonna screw up Brian Danielson? How are they gonna screw up Ruby Soho? They're having Minoru Suzuki wrestle. Murderous grandpa is wrestling on dynamite, on free <laughs> TV. And this is a match that people have wanted, and they're giving it to us. Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson is a match that we've wanted, and we're getting it. It's it's crazy to me. We're getting what we want, just at varying different times, and it's working. It's flowing together. It's this is this is the most excited I've been for a wrestling product probably since various points with NXT. NXT and it's crazy to that we that I talk about NXT because you're seeing NXT shift one way and you're seeing AEW take its place. And I dare say that AEW has already kind of starting to eclipse what NXT was. NXT was a lot of fun and NXT had a lot of really good things going with it. But when you have stars like Sting, uh CM Punk, Brian Danielson, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks, uh, Hangman, Cody, like, you're, they're easily going to eclipse what NXT was. And NXT was great, and that's even more exciting to realize that they, the, the sky's the limit for this company. There's a lot of positives, and at the end of the day, WWE decided to point a gun at their foot and go, well, we'll be fine. And now, now they've given us AEW. And it's also the guy that tweeted out to uh, Cody Rhodes that said that uh, ROH couldn't sell out uh, an arena, and Dave Meltzer replied. It's crazy to think that was the chain of events that started everything. It's, uh, there's a lot of moving targets to how we all kind of got here. It's, it's pretty crazy. And just to know some of the relationships you're kind of hearing that Tony had with a lot of people, I think we kind of can thank Tony Khan for a, a lot of the stuff too. Uh, Cause you know, you can say everything you want about the bucks and everything, but, and, and Cody, but if it wasn't for Tony, then none of this is really happening. The thing well, is when you listen to, when you listen to Tony Khan in a interview, he's, and you listen to him talk about wrestling and the way he, you know, kind of breaks it down and talks about it. He sounds very much like an old school booker. Like an old school wrestling booker from the 80s or, you know, the 70s even, even if, mm-hmm. you know, even if the product is, is far more modern, but his cycle, psych- the psychology of what he's doing is very old school. And, it, you know, I mean, we have one company that is embracing being a wrestling company and the other company that is ashamed to be a wrestling company. And, uh, for wrestling fans, that's such a turnoff. Well, the and owner, it, the owners, right? The head bookers. Vince McMahon is someone running a wrestling company that wishes he could do anything else, and he's tried to do anything else. He's been trying to escape wrestling since the 1990s, doing bodybuilding, doing restaurants, XFL, whatever else he could movies. do in his life. Movies. He's, he's done every single thing he can to run away from it. I'm sure, you know, there's obviously... Promoted a boxing match once. Yeah, they, I'm sure there's somewhat of love for the business from Vince, of course, but he's tried to get away from it at every single chance he's getting. 
the guy and Tony Khan. That, well, and, and he won't know. let them say the word wrestling, right? No. He won't let, no. like, like all those banned words, that whole thing. Yeah. That's and, it. That's where it becomes you're ashamed of being a wrestling company. You can't let the media, if they're doing an interview with your, your, your performer, say, as a wrestler, they have to, you have to, have to say, as a sports entertainer. It's ridiculous. And it turn, it's a turnoff for the, for the hardcore fan. Yeah, well, and you have a guy, Tony Khan, that, you know, spent his bar vits for money to go to an ECW show, and his first email was Flair at Hotmail.com. So this has kind of been his whole life. We can go in circles about this. Well, I'll uh, just let you kind of have your full comment, Joel, and then we're going to get to the pay-per-view. Well, the, you, look at, you look at the post-press conference that they had, and you look at how excited Tony is sitting next to Brian next to Adam Cole, next to Ruby, next to the Lucha Bros. Like, he just seemed so happy. And he just, it felt like a kid sitting next to them. It feels like a kid that just loves professional wrestling is sitting there, and he's just so giddy on arguably the show of the year. And it's, it's crazy to think we, I, I think we've absolutely hit that show of the year with this show, and you can just see how happy he is, and just how he's interacting with the wrestlers, and I think that's one of the biggest differences between these two companies, is you see, you hear Cole talk about there's respect and fear with Vince, and there's not that with Tony. I mean, obviously there's years to build up something like that, but you see someone like Adam being able to just sit and be friendly and talk about all the experiences of coming backstage and hanging out. I think that played a really big factor in it. Had I, I, I will say if Britt Baker, uh, they just let Britt Baker be a dentist in NXT, I don't think Cole would have signed with AEW. I think he would have stayed. And if they had signed Britt and had got her locked down in uh, NXT, I think both of them would still be there. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's the domino effect, right? I, I don't know how Tony does the shit that he does, too. Like, he's the GM and the owner of Fulham, who's in premiership right now playing, and he's got a Jaguars game he's going to on Sunday. I don't know how he does the shit that he does, to be honest. Well, uh, you know, the Jaguars are have a, have a winning season in a couple of years, so there is that. But, yeah. uh but they're on the. I think they're on the the cusp of turning it around, anyways. But uh, yeah. uh, just back to back to the whole thing when you're you're talking about you know what you're saying about Adam Cole and everybody there, Joel. Um, the fact that one of the deciding factors for Daniel Bryan was the Brody Lee tribute show, again says it all. Um, just the different presentation and the the respect and and the way that was done so classy. Um, but that made a difference, and that does make a difference to the performers. Because you you showed respect to one of their guys instead of just the graphic. I mean, I remember at the time we said um, when we did our show around the review time, we said, like, they should have at least let the guys and girls come on the stage for Brody. He was just there less than a year ago. Like, you should have at least let them go on the stage. And it was very, I think that was very disappointing to a lot of the members of the roster that they didn't get to have that. Did he, he didn't even get a video package, did he? No. Yeah. Because so he was working for the, the other company. Yeah. And then that's just a shitty narrative that they have. 
right? I mean, the most interesting thing that I heard Tony say during the presser that I watched is the Punk video and now the Brian video. Uh, out of the ESPN videos this year, there's only two videos overall that are higher viewed this year on ESPN Twitter. And they're both LeBron dunks. <laughs> That's it. But That's any, nothing from the NBA Finals, the like the the Super Bowl, um, the Olympics. Nothing has been higher other than like these two LeBron dunks. Yeah, that's crazy. This is yeah. this is I feel like what happened last night, what's happened since they announced they were running the United Center and Punk showed up. It feels like from from that point to now, it feels like you're seeing more and more casual wrestling fans tune in again. It's hot again. Wrestling is yeah. about is hot again. I don't know how hot it will get, but as a wrestling fan and a diehard wrestling fan, I'm going to enjoy this whole ride. Do you as guys much remember WWE having anything on Sports Illustrated before? Because Sports Illustrated tweeted out the Brian Danielson thing. I think they have, but have they? nothing, nothing major. I don't think. Well, the Ringer. Yeah, it's pretty rare. The Ringer was talking to, and I can't imagine nobody's going to be happy about it. But like a majority of their shows this week, and the first week they launched their partnership with WWE to do wrestling shows. It's only been AEW talk. They didn't even talk about SmackDown or Raw this week on the show. It was all all out. And then same today, they had an all out recap. I can't mm-hmm. imagine the ringer is that WWE's going to be had. Even Bill Simmons, he's talked about wrestling three times since the, since the WWE deal. All three times, Bill Simmons has talked about AEW. It's all anybody's talking about. Yeah, it's all they're talking about. If you if you turn on, you know, uh, what is it the the uh, uh, the network on uh, Sirius XM that's uh, mm-hmm. for fight the fight channel. Uh, yeah. All they're talking about again is the same thing. If, if they're not talking mixed martial arts, if they are talking wrestling, they're talking AEW. Yeah. It's it's you know it dominates our conversations nowadays because oh, we yeah. want to talk about something we're enjoying. We don't want to bitch. Nobody really wants to bitch all the time. No, we're over it. There's no and like you know raw. I, I watch in the background. Seems like a fine show tonight. And fine for them is like just not completely dog shit. It's kind of dog shit now. That's where Raw is at this point. That's, that's, am I wrong? Like that's kind of where. No, that's the bar. Are, right? The bar has been lowered. Yeah. Like okay, well it's not complete dog shit. It's just like okay. Um, but anyways, we should get into this pay per view. But it, it, I, I think all in all, like if we would have done this show last night, there would have been more of this excitement that we had. And we're all obviously very excited, but it's, you can just feel it today on any, you listening to post wrestling or Meltzer show or whatever, definitely get this excitement vibe. And I think all of us felt it last night in the, uh, in the group text and anyone I've talked to, like, it's just, it's, you know, it's super frustrating that we're in this pandemic for a variety of reasons. And one of the reasons is it's just like, man, I just want to go and experience this live because none of us have gotten to experience this live yet. And I feel like Joel would have been the first of us to go to that double or nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, all of us obviously want to experience this live really, really badly. Absolutely. And it's, it's, yeah. it's, oh. and it's just not probably going to happen anytime soon for any of us. Well, I mean, realistically, you can either experience AEW, or you can experience Nia Jackson, Charlotte Flair, 
looks like they're shoot fighting again, or I guess this is an angle now. It seemed like they got into another kerfuffle on Rob. So really, you have two choices: shoot fighting with mm-hmm. Nine Charlotte or AEW. Take your pick. Mm-hmm. I think the shoot fighting. I think this angle is. To, I think the real one was them not cooperating last week, and this one is playing off that to try and turn it into an angle. Yeah, but. Uh, does it grab it? It's because they got all this attention, but they, they don't realize, oh, we got all this attention. It was trending on Twitter, but it was negative attention. So <laughs> they can't recognize the difference. They got some work to do. I don't, they're going to need two or three years to completely rehab from where they are. But till then, they're in the forefront and it's not even fair to AW to be like, they're killing WWE in this sense. They just put them in the background. The AW is doing their own thing. They're killing it. And let's talk about what they did uh, yesterday. Um, do you guys want to talk about the pre-show at all? I didn't get the chance to see it at all. Did either of you guys get a chance to see the pre-show at all? Yeah, I, I watched it. What did you think? I'll let you guys talk about oh. it. It was, uh, what was the match go, about eight minutes, something like that? Yeah. 9.25. 9.25, yeah. I mean, it, it, you know, I mean, you have to get on everybody's spots and this and that, but it was a good way to, let's put it this way, I think it was important to get on the pay-per-view, get that song on the pay-per-view, get Lucha Express on the pay-per-view, you know? And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as the match, it was a, a fine way to um, to hype up the crowd and hype up the product for the pay-per-view. And, it, you know, I mean, it was better than your average uh, pre-show match, that's for sure. Yeah. I, I thought I thought, you know, it's important to show off Jungle Boy. It's important to show off Orange Cassidy. Both of those are mainstays in your company. Uh, and I mean, I mean, it really was a precursor for where they're going with Jungle Boy moving forward because the spot that he was in later in the show indicates what Tony Khan and AWs thinks of Jungle Express. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, uh, Orange Cassidy probably was the star of that match. Yes. He, he was very charismatic and very, I don't know. His his act was working really well that night. I, uh, I, I started, oh, sorry, go ahead, Joel. I I thought it, I thought it was good. It's good to see the butcher back. That adds another little wrinkle, and you know maybe uh, maybe you start uh, you can start doing stuff with Butcher and Blade. So then we start the show off with Miro against Eddie Kingston. It goes thirteen twenty two. Miro wins. Uh, pretty good match. A uh, few few things uh, of note here. Um, I think we'll get a rematch, potentially Arthur Ashe. Wouldn't be shocked about that, especially with the New York ties that Eddie Kingston has. Uh, surprised there was no C.J. Perry. And uh, as Joel was pointing, I, I didn't hear anything, so maybe there's not. But definitely a lot of red and swollenness around Miro's peck. Well, it was, it was very purple. And that was a thing yeah. that uh, made me a little nervous. Because anytime you see, essentially see blood vessels working like that and seeing blood, essentially what would be blood and blood vessels working, it usually can indicate some sort of tear or some sort of damage, but nothing's been reported as of yet. So hopefully there's nothing serious with uh, Miro. And he, he worked through that match no problem. So even if he was hurt, I don't think anyone would have noticed outside of the discoloration on his chest. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a stiff match. I think it was just stiff chops that did that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They yeah they work great and like I said I I wouldn't be shocked at Arthur Ashe if there's a rematch and potentially Eddie wins that match. It's possible. They're over over delivered for me. I also expected uh, C J Perry to show up, uh, yeah. but uh, 
you know, you had so many surprises already showing up on the show. You didn't need one more. So we'll see. We'll see. I mean, you don't just have her show up. You have her show up when it looks like Miro's going to lose to keep him to win, to get heat Mm -hmm. or something like that, right? That could be in Arthur Ashe as well. That could very well be in Arthur Ashe. But, yeah, for me, this match over-delivered. I I didn't have the huge expectations for it, but uh, I thought they worked really well together. Uh, Then next up we had... uh, Oh, and redeem these nuts. Redeem these nuts. Shirt's doing very well. Uh, And then the Lana tweet after was a little bit much. Um. John Moxley, he defeats Kojima. Really good match between these two. Uh, let's talk about the match, and then we'll talk about the aftermatch first. This was a solid match. This was solid. This is exactly what you wanted. Uh, you, you brought this up at the beginning of the show, but having John Moxley, who is the new GCW uh, champion, as he defeated Matt Cordona. In Robbery. A screw job. The death, death match king uh, was screwed. And he's, but he still has the GCW Universal Heavyweight Champion. So Matt Cardona will be fine. Um, but to see him come out with that was a nice little touch. Again, just shows the connectivity of, uh, this multi, uh, this, this Cine verse that they've created with pro wrestling, with multiple companies all kind of tied in loosely with each other. The match itself, I thought Kojima, Moxley worked well together. This is exactly what you wanted, and it ended with a battle like Morton predicted. It was uh, very interesting, you know, to see the reaction that Kojima got. He got a really solid reaction. I mean, I think that was very important. I mean, uh, you know, for for this relationship, for a guy like him to get a very big reaction from the crowd. But, of course, this is a smart crowd, and this was a crowd that was traveling to the show. So, I mean, that's it's not really a big surprise, but I thought that was uh, really key. And, yeah, really... A good stiff match, and uh, you know, I mean, this Moxley kind of works subtle heel, and uh, and you know, it was uh, yeah, really good, really good stuff. I uh, I enjoyed that match. Just came out so angry. Uh, then Suzuki comes down, they trade blows, and uh, we're gonna get that on uh, a Wednesday show that we'll talk about at the uh, the end of the uh, of the preview of this, but. Uh, you know, a nice little surprise to see Suzuki there, and the, the two have gone at each other before, but not in America. So, it'd be nice to see them on not on a big this stage like this. Not yeah. on a big stage like this. This is this yeah. is, you know, the really getting to see it for a lot of people. You know, this is a blood yeah. sport or something like that. This is it's going to be the first time a lot of people see Suzuki. Yeah, uh, yeah, they they really need to push. Is I mean, if Kojima's a legend, Minoru Suzuki is is. Uh, an icon, you know, he's, yeah. he's, he's even the, the next level. Um, as far as the legends, they really need to push that and let people know. But I mean, I, like I say, their crowd is very smart. Their crowd's aware. But, uh, for the casual people that might be tuning in because Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson shows up and, and Adam Cole shows up, uh, you know, they need to really, really push who this guy is because he's awesome. But, you know, when he comes out, murderous grandpa, comes out, you wouldn't know it to look at him until until you kind of get the gimmick. So they got to get over the gimmick. They do. And they, cool. they, they definitely got their work cut out for them to get that over. But I feel like they, they will be able to get uh, Suzuki over. And I think by the end of that match, he will definitely have gotten over with the AEW crowd. Uh, I think both the those guys... The fact that it's in Cincinnati, the fact that it's in Cincinnati mm-hmm. helps a lot. 
Yeah. Moxley's hometown, because that match is going to have a lot of heat for that reason. Yeah, and it's, I think they're, they're both going to work really hard. Uh, you think, uh, you think, uh, Suzuki's gonna chase around, they're gonna have young boys around for, uh, Suzuki to throw around at the start of the match? I or doubt it. I doubt it, but, uh, that would rule. <laughs> There's, it's, it's just fun that they're, we're gonna have the next two, the the next, the two matches that Moxley's had for AEW have both been New Japan Pro Wrestling matches, which is very exciting and, Knowing that Suzuki's stateside, I can absolutely see them bringing him in for something else with another wrestler. I don't know who, but you can probably do something else, even if it's a tag team match with uh, Lance Archer. A ton of people would want to work with Suzuki. Mm-hmm. All right, next up we have Dr. Britt Baker uh, beating Chris Statlander in 11:34 for the AEW Women's Championship. Very solid match. Tony Khan said it was the best match of Britt Baker's career. I don't know if I totally agree with that. I think that was the Thunder Rosa one. Personally, the thing that really struck me in this one is a lot of emotion from Orange Cassidy and kind of showed the the building of the relationship with Statlander and how much that means to him. But, uh, you know, really good match between these two women. The women's division is coming along nicely. It's taken a little bit of time, but you're seeing it grow more and more each day. And Britt is one of the, the absolute key stars to this division, and uh, she signed an extension, so she's there long-term, and I absolutely don't blame them for locking uh, someone like Britt Baker down. Uh, I think Chris Statlander has shown she is solid in ring, and now we just kind of let it build, and we know who Britt's facing next, but we'll get to that uh, later on down the line, but I think I think the women's division is in fine shape. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, they're, I mean, a match like this again, I mean, were my expectations overly high? No. Uh, you know, did it over deliver? Absolutely. I mean, Chris Santlander is a spectacular athlete. Um, if the match built really well, uh, whoever the agent was that worked with them, I think, for, you know, probably deserves a lot of credit. That very well could be Dean Malenko. Wouldn't surprise me. Or Daniels. I think Daniels does the women's stuff too, does he not? Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, it was it it was really the way it built to a lot of counters at the end and and the near falls was really well done. So, uh, really enjoyed the match again. Yeah, it was fantastic. And, we, and like I said, just getting to Orange Cassidy like talk. I, I don't think we've ever heard him talk so much. No, to see him like lose it, like get in the ring, yeah. get in there, and you know that was that was cool and, and crowd pop for that. It is definitely a great little spot and. Uh, we got the Pittsburgh Sunrise, and that was not yeah, a precursor I think that was for kind of the tip off. That was the tip off. That was that. It was great. I loved it. I loved that they called it the Pittsburgh Sunrise, and yeah, it, it this was enjoyable. I was I was having a blast with this pay per view up to this point. And this was kind of like the quote unquote weaker point of the pay per view. Uh, so next up, we had holy shit, maybe the match of the year. First off, just what an entrance that they got to have. I don't have the the rapper's name, but just an electrifying entrance that got the crowd heated up, got everyone from home heated up. Fantastic entrance for the Lucho Bros. They ended up defeating the Young Bucks in 2205. This match was just chef's kiss. Perfect. Just, I it was hard to think that they would have been able to top the ladder match that they did last time, but by God, they, they pretty much did it. They, you know, the use for the cage was correct. The build of the story of the match from the very beginning, 
from the the entrance to the very end with them celebrating with their children uh, to, you know, keeping the box out and the story that that was told, like you were talking about more very old school booking, correct booking now to build to a cage match. You, you, you can't say enough things about this match. It's not a five-star match. I don't know if it's a six or seven or an eight, but holy hell, this was just absolute perfection. Well, and uh, so I thought the, the Lucha Bros were losing. The minute they got that big entrance with uh, the rapper, I thought, well, okay, this is this is going to be their shining moment. They're going to get this really cool entrance. They're going to have a really good match, but they're still going to come up short. And then you, you see exactly why they won was they didn't give up, and the Bucks couldn't get the interference that they've been leaning on more and more and more as this title run is gone. And the other interesting fact that they had, and I really love it, is they pointed out that this would have been the, the a record-setting 10th successful title defense in a row. So they had that out there, and I was like, oh, that's interesting, because they're, they're either A, going to set that record, and that's going to be a big deal, or that's going to be something that is still going to be chased by other tag teams. Uh, the match itself was fantastic. There was so many. I, I thought Matt died on that uh, Canadian destroyer off the top. Like it's just, it was just balls to the wall, insane. The I I, I got it. A special shout out to Brandon Cutler for getting the bag over the cage. I thought there was no way the guy was going to get it over, and he had a perfect throw. It was much like the stamps today, an excellent throw, and the guy just couldn't catch it. Uh, it was it was. <laughs> It was it was it was good. It was it was a good show, a uh, good match, and this is definitely up there as match of the year. I think this this is really a coin toss between this and the Walter and Dragonoff match right now. Yeah, yeah. This is this is AEW's match of the year now. In fact, and the the Bucks streak of having the best match on the on the big show continues. Like at this point, how can we not say they are the greatest tag team of all time? Because every time that there's a, a pay per view, they have the match of the night. Every we had now. this conversation last night, Josh. And oh, I asked. Did. I still said the Road Warriors are ahead of them. Name me the Road Warriors four star match. Yeah. Name me the one. Oh, uh, match wise, as far as competitors, yeah, I'm talking about all like overall compet like together. <laughs> There's there's a lot there's a I mean it's a discussion for another day. But, it is, uh, but they are they're in that conversation a hundred percent. Like it's not oh, a question. Influence wise, yeah. you know them and and the Rock and Roll Express, their influence is is even bigger than what the Young Bucks is, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so we haven't seen it yet fully from the Young Bucks, but uh, what, what kind of influence? The only have? one I could give you more ahead of like maybe star quality matches was the Dudleys. Just had a lot of great matches and the matches and everything, right? Yeah, they had a lot of great matches, no question. Yeah. But I, I don't think yeah. they've had as many as the Bucks at this point. Uh, yeah. At this, yeah, I mean, uh, they have to they have to be in the conversation at this point with the with the undefeated streak of just mm-hmm. best match of the night, match of the night, no matter who they're working with, no matter what type of match it is. Um, yeah. Really, I mean, working a cage match like this is not easy to get a great. You know, get get a great star rating like that. It's easy for it to become a cluster. Um, it wasn't. It was really great storytelling. I especially love especially a tag, right? Yeah, yeah. Especially when it's Texas Tornadoes rules tag, right? So very few uh, work. Like I remember Dudley's and Hardy's one during the invasion that kind of worked, but it, there's not a lot. There's not a lot. It's really it's really difficult what they pulled off. 
And yeah, everybody looks incredible. Uh, Ray Phoenix is so amazing. Mm. Uh, Nick Jackson looks so ridiculous. He's the biggest douche <laughs> ever. It's awesome. Uh, you know, just a hell of a match. And my favorite moment was post match when Penta was hugging his daughter. Yeah, you know, me too. Like, that's like, it just, it's, those are the moments that make it feel so real. Yeah. And, and really, really, uh, I think make a big difference. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a terrific match. Well, and, uh, okay, Joel. I, I was gonna just say it, it, at this point, I think in the, the small infancy of AEW, I think the Young Bucks are the MVP. Match wise, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anyone been more consistent than the Young Bucks. No, nobody. Nobody. And, I would argue the Young Bucks themselves are the wrestlers of the year. They, it's hard to argue against it. It really is. Mm-hmm. They, it's them or Shingo. Yeah. They've, they've just gone absolutely balls to the wall with the gimmick. Like, they've, they are absolutely doing everything in their power to get as much heat, uh, to come off as bigger and bigger douchebag assholes. Uh, you know, you, you look How at genius it. genius was the shoe with the tax in the bag? Oh. Is By the way, so with the shoe, um, I haven't got confirmation yet for you guys. Probably don't care. The Travis Scott ones. Um, I've heard some people say they were fake. Some people say that they were real. Not that it matters to you guys, but just doing my research on them, people can't really confirm if they are real or not, real Jordans or not. But regardless of it, just really smart. Well done. I bet you they're real. I bet you they're real. And I think uh, there's a lot of sneaker people that I follow who are just like, please don't let them be real. Because a lot of people, a lot of sneaker heads were really pissed off about it. Well, that's what they wanted. Yeah. They want to get the heat. Yeah. Uh, and I believe that uh, Travis Scott tweeted about, or Instagram uh, about it. Like he posted that's, something about it. Again, that's what you said. Like, that's the stuff that pisses WWE off, that kind of stuff, more than anything. I just and that whole segment with the the thumbtacked uh, shoe, like the fact that Penta threw himself in front of Ray Phoenix was just just the ultimate in babyface moment and the blood pouring from Penta. It was just it was so great what uh, all four men did. This was the match of the night, hands yeah, down. Storytelling. It, it, those people that still are on the train that the the young bucks are just flippy guys. And that they don't have psychology in the matches really aren't watching them. The the psychology I, they have is and the storytelling is so strong. I love the spot. I don't know. I think it was Matt. It could. It was, I think it was Matt and Penta. It was Penta. I can't remember what Young Bucket was, but just when they both do the bombs to each other's brothers, that was just the Canadian destroyers to each other. You mean or? Uh, that was, there was on the buckle, and they both kind of did Penta's, like, you know, power, oh, okay, power, yeah. power driver. That was fantastic. And I mentioned this to Julia Shea Morton. It just it annoys me now. I'm like, we just need to see them for the Usos. Like, <laughs> or the New Day. It, it annoys me. It's like, how how do we not have an opportunity to not have seen this yet? Yeah, I know. Like, I it's know. really shitty, because arguably, maybe... The second best tag team of the past decade, other than them, is the New Day or the or the Usos potentially. That's Probably. like we need to see this match. We need to see it. I I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, 
if if booked correctly and if done properly, like having like Tony book it, uh, you could absolutely have a justifiable Young Bucks main event of WrestleMania. I think they're that oh, yeah. good. They they will they always deliver. They could absolutely close out WrestleMania and send that whole crowd home happy, regardless of what the story is. Yeah, like I said. They may be my wrestlers of the year, and I don't, and I don't know if we're allowed that when we get to our year end show, but I, I think they're the wrestlers of the year. Yeah, it's like I say, it's it's <laughs> you could definitely argue it. I think you know, I man, I think you nailed it there, Joel, when you said send them home happy. That's what AEW yeah. does. Sure WWE's does. always worried about getting heat, and never seems to send you home happy. Even at WrestleMania, they didn't send people home happy. You know. I mean, they had Roman Reigns pinning the uh, Bianca one. Bianca, they did. Or the Bianca, yeah. That, that night, I think everyone was happy with that. Okay, they were happy with that. Were they happy? Well, I suppose they, Roman Reigns beat Cena at the end, but Brock came out. I think they were sort of happy about that. Yeah, it was. It was people but, were already pissed about the Becky stuff, though, and Bianca. Yeah. People still are. Yeah, they, and they still that, that, are. that soured exactly. that soured the night. Yeah, and that's the thing is it, it just seems like they're more interested in getting heat, always yeah. on the heels. And if you look at, I mean, if you look at the championships, it seems like always it's heel champions, you know, um, all the time uh, is heel yeah. champions. Uh, yeah, I mean, not that I mean, AEW had a lot of heel champions here too. Coming into this match, everybody was a heel. But there's but a story, right? That's why we story, get to exactly. where we get to the end of the match with Christian McKenney that we'll get to. That makes sense now where we are, right? Uh, so yeah, this match was just tremendous and, you know, Shingo and Will, there's another Shingo match I'm forgetting. Um, but Shingo's had quite a handful of good matches. And then obviously the drag off and Walter match we saw at NXT. And now this, like, uh, you know, some people are going to put edge and Seth in there. Cause I've seen that show up a lot, but, uh, the, I guess the really, what I'm well, saying Shingo is Shingo and Tanahashi was incredible and Shingo, Shingo and Tanahashi. Shingo and Cobb was also incredible. So I mean, Shingo and Cobb. Summer, Summer produced yeah. a lot of matches of the year. <laughs> Summer was really the season for that. Uh, the women's battle royal. We don't have to talk about a lot here. Uh, Ruby Soho debuts. She wins in uh, the the very end here in twenty two. Came down to her and Thunder Rosa. I, I you know the crowd was going back and forth. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with Ruby winning and, and Thunder Rosa not winning. Great debut for her. You cannot stop seeing her smile. She talked about it at her press conference. You could see her holding back the tears. Even more than Ruby just winning and getting the Rancid theme song, which was super dope, it was just the output from her former WWE peers. I haven't seen really that. That was any, awesome. Any other former, really, yet maybe since Brody, to be honest, that got their flowers in AEW, and the WWE performer said, Bucket, I don't care if I get a shit. I'm giving Ruby her flowers from Sasha to Tegan Knox to Kevin Owens. Obviously, live. Even Shinsuke. Outpouring. Yeah. There was an outpouring, and you could tell how much Ruby meant to that locker room. Oh, it was. It was there, there were definitely. I think this match probably had a little bit more negatives to it. Uh, I didn't like how Shida was handled. I didn't like how Rio, Riho was handled. But on the flip side, that that Ruby moment was so great. She just, again, it's a genuine, real person that the crowd liked and was absolutely the right call to go with. Because Thunder, I I don't think Brit Brit's reign is done, 
anytime soon, and I do think the person to beat her is Thunder. So you got to kind of keep Thunder kind of just close but no cigar, close but no cigar. Uh, and I think Ruby's an excellent next opponent. Uh, just the outpouring of love is ju- it's just incredible to see. And it's, again, you want to have these people in your locker room that are universally loved like that. And Ruby has such a different look to her. She has such a different feel that it's absolutely someone that you can market and grow and build. I loved her jacket. I loved the, the theme song uh, and the fact that Rancid was willing to gift her the name and the music, just everything came perfectly together for Ruby. And I think she is, this is the best state she's been in, uh, in a while. I think the, the, the sky's the limit for Ruby. See, I was also upset like you would, like Rio comes out to gets this huge reaction and is a former champion that she gets thrown over the ropes in like 12 seconds. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, I, and then uh, I'm watching it with Addy, and Addy's like, you know, if I'm Rio, I'm, I'm the one who says to them, get me out in 12 seconds. I'm like, give me, pay me. Because it's not going to matter if I'm in there for five minutes or if I'm in there for 12 seconds, since the whole story is about the runaway Ruby Soho. And that's okay. all anybody's going to remember anyways. And, you know, it's true. So, I mean, all those quick eliminations and whatever, they didn't matter at all. Nothing mattered. Kira Hogan for... was one in Sky Blue. The Sky Blue yeah. and Kira Hogan went bugged me because – you know, Kira Hogan's been working her way uh, on Dark, and the Sky Blue thing was so organic. I thought I would have liked to see Sky Blue get more of a moment, but she didn't really get a moment in the in in it, so that was kind it, of annoying. But it wasn't. There's more to come, it wasn't so the time. Story. Yeah, it wasn't the time. It was, the story was about Ruby Soho, and the yeah. crowd was chanting Ruby Soho. And when it came down to you know her and Thunder, it was like, okay, no matter who wins here, the crowd's going home happy. Seeing her walk out on the stage and get that reaction, and hearing she never got that reaction once in the WWE. Never they once. Didn't let her. Got, no, she never got that. Her. You know, uh, maybe in NXT once or maybe in NXT she did, but never. Never in, like in the that. Main, no. Never, never like that. Yeah. That was that was a remarkable reaction. Just her face, just like. Well, Morton, I went back and watched Mania because I was watching the Brian match for preparation for the other day. And you can hear – so remember there was a big thing during Mania, you guys, and everyone thought they were cheering for um, um, Tamina to win the titles? Yeah. It, was because, it, wasn't, it wasn't that as much as they were just cheering for someone else other than the current tag team champ. I can't remember who the tag champs were at that point. WWE. Oh, yeah, Shayna. But, yeah, Shayna. Uh, but they were so loudly cheering for the Riot Squad to win the titles at Mania. It's one of the loudest pops you hear the entire night in that in that women's match. They and I think everyone thought in that match that the Riot Squad was going to get their flowers then, and they did and they didn't consistently consistently didn't. Um, no, they never had no. the rockets strapped to them. Obviously, you know when no. they should have. No. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's just it's really interesting to see somebody who's who's you know not treated like a big star in WWE being immediately won in AEW. Just, uh, you know, really, really was so happy for her. And her peers knew it. The fans knew it. It's weird when Knox, that's Knox the tweets out, Ruby bloody Soho. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it was really cool. And Kevin Owens said something about just like, I love when good people get what they deserve or whatever. That was very cool to see. So you definitely saw the locker room side of how much she meant specifically to that SmackDown locker room. NXT locker room that she was in, how much she uh, was a big influence to them all. So 
She did. One, she had. One, uh, the, yeah, go ahead, Morgan. Just one quick question. Do you think the storyline is Thunder Rosa leaving, going, that was mine, that was mine. Do you think she's turning heel? Do you think we could see her and Ruby Soho in a, in a program? We could, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked even still a full gear is Thunder Rosa and and Britt either. Yeah, it's possible. It's possible. They yeah. kept her strong. Yeah, we could do a three-way even. I'd be perfectly okay with that. Uh, I don't know if a turn for Thunder is coming, but I mean, it wouldn't hurt to add uh, add that because then you can have a heel Thunder, and you you gotta start elevating Sheeta again. I think Sheeta's someone you definitely gotta kind of start getting back on TV. I think the crowd is definitely wanting her back. Same with Riho. So if you want to kind of throw in a couple more heels, that would be kind of a way to. Balance, uh, balance the scales a little bit if you turn thunder. They, but I don't know how the, how the crowd's going to respond to it. They they do a good job with their women, but I feel like they need more for their women. If that makes sense, like I do. Th- obviously, a women's tag division in, in this company would work a lot better than it does in the other one. Obviously, I think especially you know when you're seeing the formation with Anna Jay and Ty Conti and um, with Penelope Ford there and the Bunny like. And, you know, even kind of had the Nyla Rose and the Jade uh, mix there. And I think that would be so good for Jade to be in a tag team as she's still a little bit green and she's getting better. I think that would work a lot better for her to be in a tag team. Uh, so it definitely – they could definitely use some tag titles, I think, now in that women's division. Even a secondary title for the women may would work in AEW because the women's division is definitely piling up. There's a lot of talent there. And it feels really, as far as the pay-per-views go – if there's not a belt, then we don't really see another program for the women. Uh, unless Britt was in it before, but now that Britt has the title, you're not really seeing that. So that's something I hope to see going forward for the women. Yeah, I mean, even this was planned to be in the pre-show, right? Yeah. It wasn't even planned to be on the – I mean, it's a good thing it, that, that worked out that match got canceled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and moved to Rampage on Friday, which should rule. But uh, – yeah. Yeah, I mean, even this wasn't planned to 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 get the spotlight that it did, get the shine that it did. So, I mean, it was it was fortunate that it did because it deserved it. But uh, it was interesting. Also, you mentioned this because uh, you know me and Addy were talking last night. It's like, what should be the next titles? Do they need another singles title? Because you could argue they do. They have such a big roster. Or do they need a trios title? Or do they need a women's tag title? And you can I make an argument tag. for any of those three. Yeah, I'd say women's tag. Women's tag makes the most sense because. You know, you mm-hmm. have it. You're making. You, you I think the trio makes the most sense. To be honest with you, for women or for the men? No, for the men. There's just so yeah. many trios that they have. Mm-hmm. That they can yeah, trios out. works. Trios would work as well, specifically yeah. and, with the match we kind of teased, especially with like uh, Jungle Express. Even though I fucking hate Marco Stunt. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, and the thing is, now with the Bucks dropping the title, and not to jump around too much. But they have they revived a friend on BTE, and they could be like, "Hey, you know what? We can't get the tag titles. We're just gonna make another title because we're the EVPs, and we'll make a trios title, and basically be like, we're gonna anoint us. We'll have a tournament to be fair, but it'll be the three of us: this my brother and a ghost." And then that's where you could put it on Jungle Express at the end and have the baby face triumph. Or you could have, yeah. and, have and the heels go put, over. And you could put it with Christian and Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus instead of Marco, really. Yeah. 
Uh, even a mix, even a mixed take title. I just the women definitely need a little bit more. I agree. Uh, I agree. They do. Yeah. Uh, that's why why I'm like I'm liking that they have rampage because on rampage mm-hmm. they're making sure even though they only have an hour to still spotlight the women. Yeah, uh, they, that's a very good point. And they have a lot of talented women on there. And yes, I think Kenny do. said he really wanted to put focus on the women on rampage. You're seeing that. I like. I got to see more Chris Statlander than I've gotten the chance to really see, and I think. There's so many like women that are starting to find like Julia Hart. I like you know like a little bit of her from what I've minorly seen in Dark and Evolution, uh, and you know with the Sky stuff. So there definitely is people that are getting their marks. Um, next up, we got Chris Jericho defeating MJF in 1930. This started off with MJF with one of the biggest troll entrances. I gotta tell you, I did not get worked on that. I knew right away that was MJF. Who did you, did you guys kind of both figure it was MJF? Oh, yeah, man. pretty much yeah. right away. Yeah, but uh, it was great, really though. creative, especially it's in Chicago. It's where Jericho debuted, uh, debuted for WWE with that entrance. So really, really cool. We had a kind of a dusty finish at the end here. So the match, we, you know, it was, it was a fine match and whatnot. Um, I think that's probably the end of the feud. Uh, but nice to see Jericho gets it, and he's not done because we got to see I'm not finished, baby, versus baby. Uh, still, and there's a lot more for Jericho still to do. Uh, I, I will say the crowd definitely struggled with the guitar when the guitars came out with the Judas lyrics. I don't oh, think yeah. they were ready this time. Last time they were ready, and you could tell they had their phones out and everything. This time they were like they were not ready to do the lyrics. No, when they got Boogs out there to yeah. uh, to to bring him to the ring, and yeah, I don't think that really worked. Uh, the yeah. way that they thought it would. And I think you could see it on, on Jericho's face. He's like, oh, this isn't working as well as I hoped it would. Yeah, yeah. But nonetheless, good ma- good match between the two of them. Max is still, you know, I, the number one I, heel here, and the future is nothing but bright for him. Oh, so, yeah, they protected him well enough, too, right, even yeah. though he lost. Yeah. I mean, the thing about it is that, uh, you know, I think that they're coming off of the match of the year, and Ruby Soho uh, yeah. debuting and the crowd being so hot. So it, it took a little while for the crowd to kind of get into this. I think at this point the crowd was, they just popped big twice and, and they were a little bit tired. And they and knew it was I think, coming. I think they were a little bit tired for the rest of the night, to be honest with you. Though they were enthusiastic still, I think they were a little bit tired. And it, yeah. I mean, it just is a long show. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I mean, Absolutely, though. I mean, just the the way that they told the story. Uh, once it looked like Jericho had lost, and then then you know, kind of the moves afterwards when they restarted the match, then the crowd was hot for it. Yeah, uh, the crowd was super hot at the end, and uh, you know, just all around, it really worked. It was good storytelling. It was, Joel. Hey, I, I thought it was good storytelling. Uh, I was fine with the end. Uh, it ultimately. Heels are typically destined more times than not to lose at the end of the program, but I feel like MJF still was elevated. They didn't bury MJF. They didn't make him look like a joke. They didn't have where he he looks less than. You still believe MJF could be a world champion. Uh, it just Jericho Jericho lives to fight another day. And that, who elevates more people than Jericho for the last like fifteen years? I know Jericho's done. Say. Jericho's done a great job. Uh, Not his fault they blew it with Fandango. Nope. Uh, he tried. It's, 
He tried. It, this was this was perfectly fine. I'm good with Jericho still getting a little bit more of a run in him, and this this gives something for MJF to whine about. Like he's he can complain about this. He can be he can talk about getting. And screwed. he can blame Wardlow. Yeah, yeah. It's it's easy. Uh, you're because you're eventually going to get to MJF as a world champion. It's just now a matter of finding the the stop. What I love was that MJF was uh, his tights were and his tights and his his outfit everything completely reminiscent of Flair. The MJF on the back was the same was the same uh, scripture as what Flair has his name written on. Uh, He was he was doing a total Flair tribute, and it made me think to myself, oh, we were always kind of sitting there going Andrade and Flair. No, how about Flair managing MJF? Ooh. Well, wouldn't we that be soon. amazing? That that would be a lot of fun. I think we're going to see it soon. Uh, so Jericho retains and gets a great moment with uh, the inner circle after, and then the crowd finally gets Judas correct when the lyrics come back. They, they <laughs> yeah. Uh, Next up, we get CM Punk versus Darby. Darby has an entrance where he has a body bag sitting best in the world, and he jumps out of a helicopter. Don't know really where Darby went, but he still ended up in Chicago. Punk, finally clobbering time. Crowd kind of reiterated that. And then these two have what would be uh, a very old-school wrestling match between the two of them. Punk kind of blew up a little bit. He got called out about it in the presser and had a nice laugh about it and said, like, well, I haven't wrestled in seven and a half years, so it's expected. But nonetheless, uh, a fun match between these two. It's hard to do a babyface versus babyface match, you know, this day and age. So the fact that they they, they did it the way they did it really worked. Um, again, uh, you know, it started off a little slow, so the crowd was a little bit, I think, waiting as the action built. But by the end, the uh, crowd was in the palm of their hands. And uh, again, it was smart old-school wrestling and storytelling. And, uh, you know, I think I, I was expecting... Like, I, I like the ending. I like, you know, Darby shaking his hand. I kind of expected Darby to go shake hand, but I want one more shot at you, you know, type deal. And we didn't get that. But still, I thought really a very good, uh, yeah, very good match. And, and at this point, I'm like, it's already, you know, just a tremendous pay-per-view. Joel? I'm going to let you go. You, 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 you talk about punk. Oh, it was just, you know. I was excited, but I was also like, man, there's just so many moves I want to see him do, and he didn't do a lot of the moves I was hoping that he would do, but I don't think maybe the match was created for it. Just kind of like the, the over-the-rope lariat. Um, obviously, in my darkest, my deepest fantasies, I was hoping to see a Pepsi plunge, but I think we're not going to see that for a bit, maybe one day. Um, so there were some moves there that I kind of even to kind of... The, the elbows uh, off the top rope. That's what I was looking with that, the lariat into the corner that he does when he kind of just, you know, so there was a few things that he normally would do that I, we didn't really see. Um, But I think, you know, he's also just kind of getting himself back in. Uh, And it was interesting just because Darby, you know, he kind of, you know, escaped from the normal routine that Darby has his matches. I think the spot of the match obviously is the coffin drop and punk just kind of stepping up and just looking at him being like, "Mm, no, no. That was just like, so this veteran to the rookie side of thing, which I thought was really good. And But then he was over-celebrating and he got rolled up. Yeah. So it worked out perfect. It did. And then the thing you shared, Morton, which was um, 
the the Sean Waltman and Bret Hart's kind of duplicates that these two had. A baby versus baby face versus baby face match. Yeah. And that they, they copied it move for move at the beginning. Um, yeah. you know, and that was Punk's idea apparently. Yeah. So uh, that's that really was super cool. cool. That was super cool. So, you know, you know, the, the, the big debate went back and forth with who needs is being Darby and Punk. I, I think it just made so much more sense for Punk to get the win because he hasn't been there in seven and a half and it's in Chicago and the crowd wanted it. And I think now you talk about a trios title. I think this is going to be a trio that's going to be together. And I mean, it's so crazy. Just all the organic stuff with Punk and Sting that has came out of this. Like, I'm not going to be shocked if we have some kind of Sting and Punk match, whether it be cinematic or not, in the next little bit, because it just seems that we're kind of edging that way. And I just, if I would have told you even the start of this year, Sting, CM Punk, and Darby Allen are all in a ring together, I think we would have been laughed out. I, I don't think there's any tease between Sting and Punk, to be honest with you, personally. Well, no, I just the way that he's been talking about it, and then during the presser, he got asked that question like four times. Yeah. Is there a match with Sting? Is there a match with Sting? Or is there some kind of thing with Sting? So who knows? Punk said, like, it's on his bucket list. If he can get it, that's great. But like you said, Orton, like, it wasn't really teased particularly, so I don't know if we'll get it or not. I don't really know the next direction for Punk, but at this time, I don't really care. It's just... It's fun to see him back in the ring again. Um, now he's got to take on a heel. I know he wants to take yeah. on the young guys, but he's got to face a heel. Who's well, a young that's where Ricky heel? Starks, that's where the Ricky Starks and the Will Hobbs that he keeps yeah. on dropping come into, into, into yeah. type I'm of like, stuff. Who is a young heel who now needs a feud? Huh. Ricky Starks. Ah, oh, Ricky Starks. Um, no, he's got a feud with yeah. Brian Cage. Um, you know, thing. is he better than you? And he knows yeah. it? and he knows it. Mm. Yeah, that seems like a natural one. Yeah, that would be great. The promos between the two would be freaking great. Isn't it Julia hilarious? You, know, you mentioned just just quickly because you mentioned yeah. the promos. You know, I this week uh, I was uh, because Punk was coming back. I was watching all his promos from you know like you know nine years ago or eight years ago and with the all that the summer of Punk and uh, <laughs> it's amazing how every single thing he said back then still applies. And yeah, then I saw a Paul Heyman promo yeah. from 20 years ago on Vince. And every single thing he said 20 years ago during the invasion angle still applies. It's remarkable. Some things never change. Joel? Uh, this, this was a good match. It was fun, slow, methodical. I, I fully came in not thinking Punk would be the Punk of old. Uh, I, I don't think Punk will be the Punk of old. I think to expect him to be the punk of old would be ludicrous. Uh, I I think we're going to get a good punk. He's never the most athletic guy, but I think he's going to be able to hit all the markers. But more importantly, he's going to be able to tell a really good story, and I think that will more than make up for any uh, any shortcomings athletically punk may or may not have moving forward. Uh, and he just seems really happy. Do you think to sure any does. degree that either one of you? Do you think to any degree this match was hurt because the crowd didn't want to boo Darby Allen? The fact that it was a babyface versus babyface. I think people were just happy that Punk was back. Yeah, I think it was more of a spectacle match than anything. So I see what you're saying there, Morton. Uh, instead of kind of having like the heat really wasn't overly there, which is kind of exciting. I think down the road when you add a lot more heat to it and you can add some like adversity to these two. 
he'll be there. But right now, it's just kind of like, yeah, I think that's going to be the bonus for what Cole and, and Danielson have going forward is when they get to their whatever their matches are at full gear, it's not going to be like, oh, geez, they're get to be in the wrestle. They'll be heat to those matches. This is a punk is a very different situation. Yeah. Every they, I don't think we'll ever see a situation like CM Punk ever in pro wrestling. I hope not. I hope that we don't. I hope that we don't. Uh, so good match there. Next up, we have uh, Paul White's defeating QT Marshall in three ten. Um, the highlight of this match was just all the signs in the crowd that want to rename him Tall Paul, which I'm all behind here for Tall Paul. Uh, but nonetheless, this was the closest you're going to get to like a typical WWE type of match. It was, this was just the weirdest match for me. It was so weird to seeing Paul White wrestle in AEW. It, it, it messed my mind up. It's, it's very weird. Uh, is exactly what you needed. This is, this was the bathroom break. Was it the women's match? This was the bathroom break. Yeah, it was a buffer yeah. match, really. I mean, it was three minutes long. It, it was, uh, it, I, I, I don't know. I mean, the last time we saw Big Show really wrestling regularly was when he was putting over Braun Strowman, like four yeah. years ago. And in those four years, uh, the road has owned him, is how it looked like to me. I mean, he looked terrific against Strowman, putting him over. He was taking all these big bumps and, Mm-hmm. the cage and, you know, the collapsing ring and all this stuff and just looked like a million bucks. And I was like, what a great worker for a man his size. And and this was a guy who was coming to the ring. His knees looked wobbly as they were facing kind of bow-legged. And he looked like he was having trouble moving. And, uh, you know, I mean, QT Marshall and everybody tried to create the action around him and do all the movement. But, uh, you know... Uh, it's I'm I'm kind of went. It, oh, it should I, have been Mark. It should have been Mark. I don't they think I need to. Yeah, I don't think I need to see an awful lot of Big Show or Paul White rustling anymore after this. But no. it was nice to see him get the moment. Yeah, I'm glad he got the moments and you know gets to be in another company and you know got the choke slam and got the the revenge for Tony. Um, I just thought, I mean, I, I honestly, if I had the choice, I would have rather seen Black and Dustin Rhodes in this spot, to be honest. But maybe you need a little bit more time with that. I don't know. Yeah, that wouldn't have gone three minutes, I don't think. I think no. it was closer to seven or eight. And it was a long yeah. enough show as it was. Yeah. So then we get to, uh, we get some promos for everything in there. We get the announcement of the uh, the show for... Wednesday, uh, we get the announcement of uh, the, the Rampage stuff gets put into there, and Malachi and Dustin gets announced, so you get a lot of exciting stuff there. Uh, and then we when get was, our main when event. Moxley cut, when was Moxley's promo on Minoru Suzuki? Right after this. Was, right after this. Yeah, I was going to get to that. Yeah. yeah, it yeah. was an awesome promo. Yeah. So he cuts the promo on Suzuki, which was great. Then we get to our main event. Uh, it's in twenty one twenty. Kenny Omega defeats Christian Cage with an avalanche, one-winged angel. Um, you know, good match between these two, but Morton, you kind of hit on it. The crowd at this point was kind of dead, and I think it was it was nothing against these two guys. They put in a good match between the two of them. Uh, I think it was from a sense of not really thinking Christian was a worthy contender to Kenny at this point. And I don't really think anybody had, thought that he was going to win. Kenny, that he wasn't going to win. And I think people at this point were like, we're not going to go crazy because we're waiting to see what happens at the end, whether it be 
Danielson or whatever surprise we're going to get, we're going to kind of save ourselves for that. And that's more the anticipation is what happens after this match than what happens during the match. Yeah, I mean, the match itself was, uh, I thought, the second best match of the night, actually. It was a great match. Really good match. Yeah, it was a terrific match. Uh, The crowd did, like, when the the finish, when it was the uh, Avalanche uh, Angels Wings, uh, and he he got them up there and everybody could see what was coming, the whole audience, you saw them stand up and go, whoa, and they popped big for that. So uh, it, you know, built really well. The, the one time that he hit the kill switch, because they protect finishers more mm-hmm. than WWE, for a moment, I thought maybe, maybe he's going to get it. And I thought the crowd mm-hmm. did too, because they actually protect their finishers. Nobody ever kicks out of finishers in, in AEW. So, oh, because uh, the story they were telling too, right, of the elite is falling apart, losing their titles. So you're like, oh, maybe yeah. this is the story we're going with. Yeah, like it seemed possible there. So I thought it was a, just a terrific match and... uh you know, Christian taking that bump, this guy, you know, that ha- looked like he had his career ended, I thought was crazy. But, uh, you know, he's all in. Sure is. Joel? I, this was phenomenal. I really enjoyed this match. Uh, Kenny is the perfect loser heel. Like, he's just uncool in every way, shape, or form. And yet he's still one of the best wrestlers in the world. I loved one of my favorite moments, and I will I I will be forever waiting for the rematch. But when he did the uh, ripcord uh, V trigger, and uh, Excalibur says he Kenny's making it rain in Chicago, and I was like, one day, one day we're gonna get it. We're gonna get the the two of them to run it back, and I will be all excited for that. Uh, there were Christian's a great worker. Like Christian's great psychology wise, and Kenny's. There are there are many points where Kenny's the best wrestler in the world, uh, and you just saw it. I thought I thought both styles worked well. Uh, I think the thing that hurt this match was Christian wasn't as hot as he could have been, uh, as well as I think everyone kind of knew how this was going to end for the most part. So I think that hurt this match. But I thought what they did from bell to bell was very solid, and that finish was great. And you know, it it was a it was a very good it was a good win for Kenny. And then we get to what's coming next. You know, if they had brought in Christian and he had gone like two and three or one and four in his first few matches, and then you know started to get his rhythm back, and he was an underdog, and he started, and people were like, he's a legend, he's losing. And they get behind him, and he starts to get on a roll, and eventually he wins ten matches in a row and gets a world title shot. I think the crowd would have been really, really been into it. Yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, just and I, I think hang the hangman of it all also kind of hurt, yeah. hurt this as well. Yeah. And it was confirmed by Tony Khan that Hangman himself asked for this time off, and yeah. I don't think anyone has any worries about Hangman's spot in that company. No. Future world uh, champion for sure. Yeah. So after the match, it ends. Jungle Express comes down after the elites beating up on Christian. They get beat down, and then Kenny has a speech saying that nobody can beat him, whether they're they're already tired or they're retired or they're dead. And I think that point we kind of had an idea where things are going. It goes dark. Adam Cole comes out. 
comes to the ring, kind of yells at the elite saying, you know what you did to me, you know what you did to me. There's a variety of ways you can go with that, whether it be the screwing at their ROH pay-per-view or actually killing them on BTE. Uh, then he super kicks Jungle Boy and joins the elite. Uh, a swerve that we did call on, uh, on the, uh, the SummerSlam pod for Adam Cole, uh, Morton and I both did. So kind of had that a little futurist. bit. So a few, futurist, futurist points. Old two futurist, futurist points yeah. there. Uh, yeah. before we get to the other one there, gonna just talk about, uh, we kind of talked about it a little bit, but, uh, Adam Cole now joining the elite. It's it was the right call. He came through the heel tunnel and he had Jordans on, so it was very clear. Um, the on BTE today, uh, Malachi Black helped give Kenny some ideas on how to revive the dead, and they had a bunch of uh, like fairy lights and some candles and a picture of Adam Cole, and they chanted and they revived him. Sour Boy made an appearance. And they all kind of left because they're like, well, it didn't work. And then, uh, Adam Cole appears and he says, my mouth tastes, why do it, why does it taste like, uh, monster? Why is this four years? What, what happened? And he started yelling for Super Dragon because he thought mm-hmm. he was still in PWG. And now he understands what's going on. And I still think that, uh, the, one of the end stories of here is, Eventually, I think we'll see Adam Cole kicking Kenny out of the elite when Kenny loses the title. It'll be a, something akin to, uh, to Kenny kicking out AJ Styles because I think Cole still holds a grudge and based on that BTE thing, he's not entirely sure what happened with his death. I don't know that you can, you can, uh, count too much on the BTE. Playing no. it the storyline in AEW. I think that's just kind of them, them having fun is kind of the way it came across to me. But, you know, uh, I, this was a really good swerve, you know, to bring out Adam Cole and nobody was really, everybody was expecting Brian Danielson. Nobody was talking really Cole. Uh, so no. it really came out well. My question for you guys is, uh, I, to me, they can't ignore the Cole Britt Baker relationship. So how long do you think they hold off on that? Because really, you have really in Adam Cole, a guy who always plays heel and yet always gets cheered. And you have in Britt Baker, coincidentally, a heel who's getting a lot of cheers. Um, it seems like a natural pairing. Uh, they don't have any women in the elite either. Like, I think with having Rebel and uh, them together, like and then the other uh, part pair that they have there, the new woman, I forget her name. Um, but Something they, hater. Hater, yeah, they yeah. could they could inject some woman I think into the elite for once because there's none in there and it would be a welcome change to not just make it such a boys club and it's the one thing I've had a problem with a lot of factions still is they don't have any women and you know even in WWE there was talk to the bloodline adding Naomi and I don't know if that's happening um, so it would be a welcome addition to have some women finally in some of these groups for once I think uh, we'd I'd like to see that so I agree with you more and I think it's it's only a matter of time till you kind of have that. Rec- I mean, you, you saw it in, in Cole's last match. He used the lockjaw. As Joel mentioned in a recap of that match, he used the sunrise. Uh, so I, I think it's kind of a matter of time till the, the two of them are connected. I, I think you connect them, but it's, it's obviously not the crux for either, either character. It's, 
you acknowledge it, you know that it's there and it's real, and you can use it down the line uh, in a bigger way. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't go too heavy-handed with it. You'd acknowledge it's there, but you don't, you don't go too crazy with it. And it's there's a lot of storylines with Cole. Like there's a lot of things that you can do with Cole, uh, and I think I think he's he's going to have a much better run. Uh, I think he's going to have a better run there than he did in NXT. And I thought his NXT run, for the most part, was good. He may be the greatest NXT champion ever. It's probably him or Balor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Shinsuke is the, the greatest drawing. Yeah. But uh, as the actual greatest, I would say is, uh, yeah, I would definitely say that's Cole, personally. So, uh, and, and Pat McAfee begrudgingly wished him a congratulations today. <laughs> Even though he's a scumbag. Um, so then we think the night's over. Um, Kenny does his adieu a goodbye. And then we have Flood of the Valkyries get played. Out comes Brian Danielson, the American Dragon, not doing yes chance. And uh, pointed out in the interview with Khan and Brian that they, number one, he may just do his own thing, but it's also a side of intellectual property wise. He has no idea if WWE owns it or not. Which is why it, it amazes me he didn't come out to Final Countdown. Because yeah. if you want to get away from the intellectual property and, and the WWE-ness of the character. and the It guest sounds guest, like there's the some to do real it. problems getting the rights of that more. Is that is that what's going on? That's what John Pollock reported, yeah. There's some problems with getting the rights right now. That's that's too bad because uh, yeah. Yeah, coming out to the exact same not only to the same music, but to the exact same orchestration, uh, you know. Yeah. So if Brian comes out, and uh, obviously, you know, it, it looks like full gear. I mean, we could be getting a blood and guts match. I think that is a pro, uh, a match that is promised down, uh, promoted down the road. I think it's in Iowa or something. There's a potential blood and guts match. Which I'm not really a fan of doing blood and guts so soon again. So I hope that maybe we just do like a big tag match. I don't think we need to go right to doing blood and guts again. We just kind of had it. I think you need to be, you know, you need to, you know, be careful no with that gimmick. No more than once a use. year, right? Once a year. Yeah. Maximum. Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully they just kind of do like a big four way match or something like that. Uh, but what an addition! And he and he talked about afterwards, like loves Vince, loves WWE. He's got a lot of connections there, and his wife does. But right now he just being he's a dad and uh he just needs something that's just kind of fun and kind of wild and he's here to kick people's fucking heads off yes quote unquote <laughs> yeah so uh, it's really hilarious seeing daniel bryan lift or brian danielson dropping f-bombs oh he was all over the place with the f-bombs all over I know. the place he was like i've been able to do this in like decade i'm ready to fucking go yeah he just it's it goes back again to Ruby Soho, Punk, anyone that seems to enter Adam Cole, they just seem really happy. The minute they get there, it seems like they're really, really happy. And Brian seemed really happy. Man, those kicks that he was man, all the credit to the buck that took the beating. Uh like those kicks were definitely a little snug at suplex and at knee. Like just at, especially after going through the uh, the match that they went through in the the cage to take that beating from Brian as well, just all the props in the world to him. Uh, but it's it it was great. It was so much fun to see, and it was 
this may have been one of the best pay-per-views from top to bottom in years, maybe decades, maybe a decade. It, it feels like one of the best pay-per-views of all time because of yeah. the combination of nothing being a bad match, some matches being terrific, and then the surprises. It's it just and the uh, historic content to could set. It feels like a Bash of the Beach type of pay per view yeah. where we look back at Bash of the Beach and what that meant. And it feels like this is a Bash of the Beach type of pay per view where we're going to be like, that's when things really started to heat up. Well, and, and that's the thing. The funny thing is, you know, it felt like okay, this is probably going to be the peak. It's first Punk and whatever. It's like they're probably going to do three hundred, three hundred fifty thousand buys. And now it feels like the next pay per view already is going to do more than this one. Like you know, it's just it's just crazy. What, what do we have for the AW rating? Does it? I, I think we're talking one point four. I think the peak is probably in the one point four range. I, I don't know that they average one point four. I think they'll average one point two. You have Bryant, you have Cole, and you have yeah, maybe one point six. Maybe one point yeah. six is the peak, and the average yeah. one higher. You're right. It could very well happen. It's it's big. Yeah. Like the 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 buzz on this was huge, and you know and I, I love. I love Daniel Bryan in the ring, by the way, afterwards. The yeah. moment that uh, that he's sitting there and he's saying, I'm a wrestler, and the crowd starts chanting, we love wrestling. Do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. And you could just see him go, I'm home. Yeah. I'm home. This, this, is, this has become home for a lot of people. And Immediately. It's, it's amazing what they're going to be able to do in the next several months. I mean, it looks like Cole's first program is Jungle Boy. Yeah. And, that's going to be fantastic. That's going oh, to be yeah. great. And that was one of the guys at the top of his list, he said. So, And we get story time with Adam Cole again. Hey, babe. Uh, it just, it, it was a slam dunk. It was a slam dunk of a show. I don't think I've ever left a pay-per-view with that kind of buzz. It's always a good show when I'm trying to sleep and instead I can't stop thinking about the show mm-hmm. and all the angles and everything that can come out of it. And I'm just so excited. Yeah. I, think I, I think I spent the bulk of my eight hours at work just talking about that pay-per-view with other wrestling fans at work just because it was just that. Had they, had they all watched it? or? Yep. yep. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just such an electrifying show. And Labor just, Day means something now, right? Yep. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. what Labor Day weekend is. I mean, up here in Canada, in Calgary, you're going to sign up for the football game. Well, you guys more than me because I'm not a huge CFL person, but um, you get excited for that up here in Calgary and, you know, maybe going camping or whatnot. But you know now it's like, the it's kind of more like how WCW was back in the day with Thanksgiving in some ways, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, there's your, your tradition pay-per-views, you know, and this this is going to work, you know, for them forever. You know, there's no reason for it not to. It's uh, it's terrific uh, the way that they branded it here. I mentioned to Joel yesterday, Joel, I was saying to you, this is this felt more like a WrestleMania to me than almost any WrestleMania in the last well, however many years. Of what a WrestleMania show feels like. WrestleMania in Chicago, do you think they're going to do a stadium? They, I think, I'm talking to Joel about this. I think we're at the point now where you should. And I, I almost wondered more because you remember <clears throat> WWE is doing Money in the Bank at a Lions stadium. And we thought that was really weird. Mm-hmm. I do wonder if they were playing a little bit of 3D chess and being like, we can't let a Lions stadium be open 
for double or nothing. And we, they wouldn't run a wrestling show back to back, like with, with having, because I think Money in the Bank is only like two weeks after double or nothing. I wonder if they're thinking that, uh, cause I, I think they're at the point now and Tony was asked if he would run some more pay-per-views and I do think the company could maybe go to six and I think that would be good. Um, cause they're just at the four right now. I think six would work. I to be completely honest. I don't I think agree. six works. You're going to get the four TBS specials next year. Yeah. And, and, that's, that, and that's, you know, that, that helps as well. The TBS specials happen, but I think they could still do six, but the specials have helped, but more or less we're going to see what Arthur Ashe does and, they're definitely going to be raw that week because raw is against football at that point. So their ratings are about to go in the shitter even more than they have been. Um, but I, I think they're at the point because there's been a lot of talk about doing Wrigley. That's been going around. That'd be interesting. I think, uh, which, I think which Wrigley's never had it with the ivory and everything. That would look phenomenal. It looks so cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a classic. That's like yeah. one of the most classic stadiums in, in the country. Mm-hmm. I think legendary. I think Wrigley's on their uh, their list, and I think MSG is also on their list. Oh, that's yeah. going to be then. That's going to be interesting where WWE goes with that going forward now, uh, because obviously we know when the ROH stuff happened there that Joel went to. Um, that how much that pissed them off, and how much I wonder with some of these stadiums that the, the Fed is going to be like, okay, we're going to, we're going to get, make sure SoFi in LA is ours. We're going to make sure Align Stadium in Vegas is ours. We're going to make sure MSG is your ours and try to, you know, backdoor people kind of like they used to do with Survivor Series against Starcade to be like, you don't get that pay-per-view if you don't do this. Uh, but I don't know how much that's going to work in the long-term side of things. And yeah, we'll I, I'm not sure either. I'm not mm-hmm. sure at this day and age you can get away with that. Yeah. And- to be honest, you know, I'm thinking about it. I think they could probably do uh, Ringley or another baseball stadium. I'm not sure where. I'd like to keep it. I, w- would Yankee Stadium, the new Yankee Stadium, work for wrestling? Yep. Yankee Stadium would work. Rogers, obviously, we know works, right? Uh, and we do know now, like, the proposed new stadium in Toronto that got nicked, so Rogers Stadium is staying there. and. We've seen Rogers, um, Skydome, uh, has been able to hold WrestleMania and stuff like that. Like, uh, I wouldn't be shocked, you know, if AEW looked, I mean, even if they did the show in Winnipeg where the Bombers play, they could do it in that stadium easily. Oh, yeah. Easily. I, and easily. you know what? With the two hometown boys there, they yeah. could easily sell yeah. us, you know. Yeah. And I think, I think, I think they could do that there. And I think, Depending on when and where and how and where everything is, I think if you announced, uh, I think they could absolutely sell out a Ringley or a Yankees if they announced it was an AEW New Japan Super Show. That was. I think it was just an AEW show. They sell it out now, Joel. I, I'm not 100. percent I don't so know about Yankee Ringley. I feel like they could. I'm not yeah. sure about the Yankee. Yeah, Ringley only holds uh, like what about 37, 38. Yeah, and we and we know BC Place uh, in Vancouver has been dying to have a WrestleMania forever. Yeah, I mean, how many how many WrestleMania did you see? Like Vancouver for WrestleMania, um, it's never going to happen because the stadium is is, is yeah. not up to snuff. But it would be yeah. Good so I wonder if AW would go there, and obviously, you know, you can do Safeco in um, in Seattle. I don't know if the the question will be what AW, and I think maybe hit on a Joel with like a Japan Super Show too. If you're going to do like a CenturyLink field in Seattle or 
if you do like a giant stadium or something, because you've been to giant stadium, Joel, and I can't remember what arenas you've been to more, but these things are colossus. And, you know, someone that's going to a Lions stadium next week, I'm, you know, I've just heard that. I think it's the second biggest stadium. It's either that or SoFi. It's a Cowboy stadium now. Um, which is how these and are just. I'm not saying they're going to sell out these stadiums necessarily. Because no. I mean, WWE doesn't sell out the stadiums either. They give yeah. you a work number that's not yeah. nearly what it really is, you know? No. The entertainment number, as they call it. Right. Yeah. Like they don't sell at the stadiums either. But, but I mean, if, if you're 85% capacity in a stadium, you've done great. Yeah. Yeah. And they would, they could, if they, if they, yeah. let's say next week, next year, cause I don't, they won't probably be able to do Soldier Field, uh, just cause it's not up to snuff and it's an older stadium, right? And it, but it even holds 80,000. So yeah. That's asking a lot. Uh, I, I think they could get at least 50 in Soldier Stadium though, I think. Probably, yeah, they probably, yeah. probably could. They, yeah. they are at the point where stadium conversation is at a point. The Arthur Ashe show is going to be like, is going to be very cool, and I think it's a unique side of things. And I mean, we're going to look where they go in the state. I mean, uh, in the UK still, right? I mean, I know there's been some back and forth talk that you know Wembley's came up once or twice. I don't know if they could obviously couldn't sell out Wembley, um, but I think they could do a you know a decent look there in Wembley because I'm sure. There's fans in the UK that are just starving to see AW live. I, oh yeah, absolutely. I think, I think they could do some nice damage in Wembley. Brits are are crazy for their wrestling, so I think yeah, I think they could do really well over there. They don't have that huge. Uh, I mean, Pac is I guess probably the biggest uh, British star they have. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah, that uh, I mean, I mean, I would see them probably doing about fifty thousand. You yeah. know. But uh, that would still be huge. Well, and it's connection to Fulham football. I mean, they could do the Fulham football stadium there as well. Oh, yeah. 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 You just work out a deal with uh, New Japan for Willie. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. So, it's, it's, you know, again, this is first world problems for AW. um, But the pandemic hurt them in the sense of the international travel. We still haven't really got a chance to see what that's going to be like for them yet. Because I think we we would have definitely had an England show by now, and we definitely would have had a, a Canada show, and most likely a Mexico show by now if there was no pandemic for AEW. Very likely. I think you're right. Yeah. So, I mean, that Mexico show with the Lucha Bros uh, is going to be unbelievable, and Thunder Rosa, and They'll do phenomenal business out there. I'm, I'm 100% sure of it. And Andrade as well. Yeah. So they definitely have, uh, and, and even, even I'm sure, I know Sammy too, right? I don't think Sammy's from Mexico, but, you know, just being a Spanish god, I'm sure people are going to, you know, oh, yeah. yeah. want to see him out there. So they've definitely filled that basis. Is that the point is now, and we talked about this during SummerSlam of where, where is the situation where WWE could be threatened for them? And it was the mainstream attention. And I think the fact of knowing that at least the threat of stadium stuff is there is, you know, is going to grab their attention. And they definitely have the threat there. And I, I kind of want to turn now to, to, you know, it was a great show and everything like that. And I know you want to talk about Japan, Joel, but uh, just a question I had for both of you before you kind of do the Japan talk is, what do you guys think about the three-night Wrestle Kingdom event? I'm a little bit weary of it, of three nights. I it's thought that was idea. a weird... 
Yeah, I thought that was a weird decision. It's yeah. desperate people do desperate things, and I think they're mm-hmm. a little desperate right now. Trying to make um, money up. So this does tie in with what uh, this does kind of tie in with what I wanted to talk about. So the first thing I want to talk about, and I've got two stories to bring up to both of you, and so I'll, I'll tell the story and then I'll let you guys go from there, and then I'll tell the next story. Uh, the first thing is uh, this is coming from Voice of Wrestling. Uh, and they're, they're usually pretty good. And they said, Evil's new push is a result of Dick Tongo's growing power as Booker in New Japan, and Shingo Tataki is not happy with Tongo's idea. The idea behind the unit, which was pitched by Tongo, is to continue Evil's long-term push as a top star, surrounding him with an entourage, which would lead to an eventual split from Bullet Club, and subsequently a feud with Jay White, who would presumably be the babyface. Uh, Rapungi 3K split was debated internally. Gato was initially opposed, citing among other issues merchandise sales. Togo was in favor, as were Sho and Yo themselves, who are eager to work singles and have been pushing for a split for a long time. Once the decision was made, Togo pitched Sho for House of Torture and was responsible for the booking of the turn angle and the layout for the singles match at the Wrestle Grand Slam. Togo is not winning all his battles. Togo pitched a short-term evil title reign with evil defeating Shingo for the IWGP heavyweight title at WrestleGlance Grand Slam and then losing it back quickly in order to establish HOT, House of Torture, as an immediate main event force. But the idea was shot down by Gato, who feels the title needs a long, stable reign after all the quick changes earlier in the year. In addition, Shingo continues to butt heads with Togo uh, on match layout. Shingo's not happy with the many ideas of his match versus Evil at the New Japan Cup. Shingo had similar issues with today's match, but perhaps due to having more Polish champion, was able to veto some of those spots. And that's 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 come from Voice of Wrestling. So, gentlemen, what do you think? I I don't have any thoughts because I don't know enough there, so it's all more. Well, I just think that, you know, Dick Togo is probably not long for it. Eventually, he's, I don't see him winning the power struggle again. If the wrestlers are against him, you know, maybe he's going to have some wrestlers on his side, but having evil on your side isn't enough. And, yeah. uh, Gato, you know, eventually, I mean, uh, as much as there's been struggles, it's hard to blame Gato for every, anything really. Uh, so, I mean, I, it sounds to me like there's going to be a power struggle and eventually a, I would be surprised to see Dick Togo around. I mean, that, he sounds like he's slitting his own throat the way he's being too pushy. You know, I mean, you gotta be sneaky to get in there. Yeah, it, it, like hearing that is Shingo's not someone I'd want to upset in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and I think, I think the hot potatoing of the title definitely doesn't work. I think they definitely need that stability right now in New Japan, and I think Shingo's absolutely a guy that should just continue to run with the title, at least until Wrestle Kingdom uh, this year. Uh, it, it was definitely interesting, because reading that, I'm like, oh, this it doesn't sound like a an ideal uh, situation over in Japan right now. And it seems like there's going to be a little bit of a, a struggle. And I mean, you got to imagine a guy like Okada is going to be backing someone like Gato, especially oh, after God. everything. And yeah. Okada's not stars would ever piss off. Yeah, all the big stars would be, you would think. Yeah, because he Gato was definitely a very big part of the the rise of Japan. Yeah, uh, 
and he definitely played a big role in that. And you know, I just don't, I just don't think Evil's, I don't think Evil is r- right for the role that he's in. I think he's, it just doesn't quite click. But I mean, no, the other- he's just, he's a mid card guy. I'm sorry, yeah. he just is. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Uh, the other thing that uh, this is, we're getting closer and closer to our G1 pickums as we go through and see who will win this year. Uh, but we had Block A and Block B announced. Defending champ, baby. Cricket. Did you, did you try, tie me? <laughs> I, I thought I won last year. Yeah, but no, because I know I won last year, so. Oh, maybe I, I, thought, I thought I won. That mistake. No, Josh, Josh, Josh did win. Did yeah, you? thank you. I thought I won. Yep. Or did oh, I won one. two times before that. Yes. Yeah. You broke you broke his streak. Uh oh. but we have the blocks announced. Uh block block A is currently the great Okan, Kota Bushi, Ishii, Kenta, Tongaloa, Tasui Naito, Jack Sa- uh, Zack Saber Jr., Shingo, Takahashi, and Toriano. And block B is Jeff Cobb, Evil. Goto, Okada, Chase Owen, Sanada, Taichi, Tanahashi, uh, Tama, Tama and Yoshihashi. What do you, what do you think of the blocks? Uh, block A is definitely stronger than Block B. Uh, the name that sticks out is, yeah, the name that sticks out as not belonging though is Chase Owens. Uh, you know, it's just hard to picture him in the G1. He's gonna, hard to picture him winning any matches. Uh, Either way, uh, it's it's uh, because of the kind of the global situation. There's not a lot of fresh faces in there, which is a shame because usually there's a few. But there are some matches in there that I just can't wait for. I mean, you you just look at those potential matchups, and it's like it, you know it's mouth watering. So, well, we'll get Shingo and Ishii again. So yeah, that. This would be the, with everything that's kind of thinned out, this would be the year to let Ishii make some noise. Could be. Could be. We'll see. Yeah. Uh, he's been the MVP. He's the MVP, yeah. But I, I know who I think are, are what the finals will be already. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I actually have no idea yet. I'm, because I, we're going to be doing the pickums. Do, do, have you figured out any ideas, Josh, or? You're just going to... Um, I'm just going to do what I did last year. Throw darts Flip at the your way to a win? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the way to go, baby. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I want to... I had up. an idea who I wanted to win, and then I just kind of gauged it from that. So I haven't really kind of gauged from the win, but <clears throat> you kind of look at the card overall, and it's it doesn't really inspire you a lot. Uh, with some of the names in there. Um, I think I just kind of look forward to next year when you could have a Brian Danielson in there, maybe even a Bray Wyatt, maybe a return of a Luke Archer, John Moxley. Uh, but I mean, that, that is assuming that we're going to be better next year. I think I've learned with this to not assume anything at this point. No, don't assume anything. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that's hopeful thinking. But uh, <clears throat> look, there's been points where like, oh, it's a little bit of a weaker G1 class, and then it always ends up surprising us. Things get deeper in there, so I'm hoping that uh, it's a kind of a case this year. But I do agree with Morden that Chase Owens' name definitely sticks out, kind of like a sore thumb yeah. or a sour boy. 
it's it's definitely it's gonna be very interesting to see. I don't know if this may be the first year where I don't watch every single match. I don't know. We'll see how the first couple nights go, and that might gauge. But I'm still gonna follow it. I'm still gonna watch it. It's still one of my favorite things in wrestling, and I feel like. AEW could do their own version of a G1 like event now with how how big the roster. Well, Impact Wrestling has done their own version of a G1 in the past, but but the the booking didn't work. Yeah, it didn't work, but they have done it. Good idea, really cool idea when they were doing the records for the house shows and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Too, I was like, okay, this is a really cool idea, but the problem was who the bookers were. Yeah, exactly. Speaking of which, you know. uh, Vince Russo sent out a tweet today saying that he uh, was in the WWE studios doing something he thinks for Peacock. And he said, uh, I'm not looking for a job, but I do hope people were listening to what I said. And I just want to say he's an idiot. Here's an honest question. If I can be honest with you. Could the booking that Vince Russo brings to them be worse than what they have right now? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to make sure I haven't gone completely insane. He sucks that much. Well, yes. having the guard of Vince there, maybe, you'll have, who knows? You'll have more miscarriages and things like that. Oh, yeah. 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 They really do miss ski warts, to be honest. They really miss ski warts. I agree. And yeah. uh, the other thing is, uh, we didn't touch on it. We kind of skipped it really quickly there, um, unfortunately. But uh, Wrestling Inc., reported that uh, the idea was to bring in, uh, and Bruce Pritchard was pitching this really hard, and Vince's idea was to bring in Adam Cole as a heel manager on SmackDown uh, instead of a wrestler. What do you guys think of that? (laughs) (laughs) He made the right choice. Yeah, I mean, you've also heard, too, that the Twitch channel was a big deal for him. Uh, And, I mean, it's something that came into contact for Flair as well, right? Flair said, like, they weren't letting me do cameo. Well, you so, know, just to me, it's just if you look at him, who was pretty much everybody's choice for best in-ring wrestler two years ago, uh, you know, and you look at him and see manager, it's just once again, what is wrong with you that you can't see? You, you don't you don't see the talent. You can't see the. He's talent. He's a midget. He's a midget. Yeah, that, he's not vanilla. I. I still go back. I think that was the death blow. And I apologize for using that that demarcative term. Uh, that's just their words, not ours. That's their words. That's Kevin Nash's words, not ours. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the death blow for Cole in in WWE was when uh, Road Dog came out and said if he was carrying Crossside, he'd already be world champion. I think that indicated everything. To a lot of people, where what Cole's trajectory would have been. Again, that's a guy that was happy there, and I, I think I think Cole. I'll, I'll end up to this. My point here is, he said, "My childhood dream was to be in WWE and wrestle WrestleMania. That's all I wanted to do when I was nine years old, and I had the best time there." So you had two guys that you know he had a great experience. All he wanted to do was have a WrestleMania moment, and like Morton has said here a million times, we don't need to get into it. Those are overrated now, um, but. The guy that wanted all those things and uh, just wasn't in the cards there. So I'm, and, at the end of the day, I'm not going to. And he yeah. said it was an easy choice to leave. Easy it was choice, pretty easy. Yeah. 
Yeah. I, I'm not going to get into everything that WWE has done wrong anymore because who fucking cares about them? I'm going to go into everything that AEW has done right and they've done a lot of right things. Obviously, bring them there, like we just talked about with the All Out show. And that's why we're here where we are now. And, uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, it is going to be a rough two months now for the other company. Extreme Rules is going to be a pay-per-view that people don't really care about. And uh, then they have the Saudi show, which is not going to give them any positive headlines. So very nice to have AEW. And in, uh, in, in October, we're going to have the Impact Super Show as well. And that's going to be super fun to watch. And potentially, I would assume that might be the first time any of us have put money on an Impact show in almost a decade. Yeah, I know. Can't wait to see what the actual card is that's going to break down. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm focusing on that side. I'm focusing on what the people that are doing things right instead of the wrong things anymore because it's not worth our time on that anymore. Yeah. I yeah. agree. So, uh, Joel, any last thoughts on anything? Uh, I'm really looking forward to Wednesday. Yeah, I'm looking forward too. to November 13th. I'm already, I already have my, the next pay-per-view circled on my calendar. And it's Saturday, so, yeah, by Saturday the way. Saturday night. Saturday night. Because that was to get away from UFC on the Sunday and a Canelo fight on the Sunday. Yeah, on the 6th. And uh, there's a, there was a big Monday night football game. I'm just going to double check what it was, but it was a very big Monday night football game, uh, that week as well. So let me just double check what that one really quickly was, and then we will get out of here. Oh, it was Raiders and Chiefs. Which was last year the uh, the highest rated Sunday night football game last year. That's a that's a classic rivalry. Yeah. So uh, they they wanted to get away from all that. So I think that was uh, the was the right choice for them and for me too, just because I wanted to watch the Canelo fight. So now I'm glad that I can watch that the next night. Yeah. Yeah. Could not juggle AEW, my team playing in the Sunday night game, and that together. Even though I have the screens for it. Still uh, was there, uh, Joel. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very happy with the state of pro wrestling. Orton? Oh, bad. You know, me too. <laughs> yep. It's the one thing we can all wrestling agree. Wrestling is good again. Yes. Yes, it is. All right, everyone. Thanks so much for listening. Enjoy Wednesday night dynamite this week, and uh, enjoy, I guess. Uh, Friday Night Smackdown from MSG that's going to have Undertaker as their big surprise on it. Cool. Um, and yeah. oh, wrestling, man. though, at the very end of the day, it is fun again. That is the best part about all this, that this is why we keep on coming back to this, because we were hopeful, and we finally have the ability to talk about things in a positive way. And uh, we all had those kind of happily sleepless nights last night where we all kind of got to dream about uh, positive, fun things coming out of something that we put a lot of love into. So until then, everyone, cheers and enjoy the day, people. Goodbye. And good night, Ben.